Welcome to Setting Captives Free podcast. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But many people wonder, how can I be free from things I've struggled with all my life? Anger, impurity, anxiety, depression, fear, gluttony, and so on. Well, today, Eric Hurt and Mike Cleveland study a passage of Scripture that will help you enjoy the freedom that Jesus died to give you. All right. Hello, everyone. I'm rejoicing today and celebrating because I get to share this podcast with my brother, Eric Hurt. Eric, I'm so glad to be doing this with you. I, I can't even tell you the excitement I have of just being able to worship together around the cross of Christ. Welcome. Glad to see you. Well, it's good to be back, Mike. It seems like uh, I've been uh, away for a little while, and it's a tremendous blessing to be back with you to do this podcast. I'm very excited uh, today as this uh, story, as every other story that points to the cross, is just uh, burning in my heart this morning. Amen. Mine as well. Um, and to introduce the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at together, I was reading Matthew chapter 2 yesterday. And, you know, Matthew was a tax collector, and he became a biblical scholar. Um, if you look at Matthew 2, he's saying over and over again, this happened to fulfill what was written by the prophet. And he quotes Micah chapter 5. And then he says, and this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. And he quotes Hosea chapter 11. And then he says, then what was spoken through the prophet was fulfilled. And he quotes Jeremiah 31. And then he says, Jesus went to Nazareth to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. And he doesn't even quote one. He just says the prophets, the whole entire Old Testament. He's, what is Matthew doing? Matthew, the tax collector, is reconciling the books. Hmm. He's wow. showing how all the Old Testament was fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Eric, you and I right now are going to be like Matthew, the tax collector. We're going to go look at a passage in the Old Testament, and we're going to see how Jesus fulfilled it. Isn't that exciting? Amen. Yeah, that's very exciting. And I love how you started uh, this podcast today by saying, those in repetition to fulfill this was to fulfill this was to fulfill and i i love that this is what the whole bible points to uh, the one who is to come the one who is to die and rise to give us life brother to pay our penalty to take our sin and to put it to death huh? i mean how can we not be rejoicing already as we just begin this podcast we hope that others will rejoice uh, with us as we look at the cross brother me too. And you know, the interesting thing that I saw in this Matthew 2 passage is these particular passages that he used were actually fulfilled back then. Mm. For, for example, where he talks about in uh, Hosea and even in Jeremiah, those had a fulfillment back um, in the days of the Old Testament in the Israelites when it says, for example, um, God says, I called my son out of Egypt. Well, okay, who, how would they have understood that back then? They would have understood it that the Israelites were called out of Egypt. They were rescued and set free by the Passover lamb, and they were taken to be God's people. Okay, it's done. It's fulfilled. No, says Matthew. 
Matthew says, no, this is referring to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was called out of Egypt. So they had to get down into Egypt so that God could call his son out of Egypt because the Bible points forward to the work of Jesus. And so even when there were passages that seemed to have been fulfilled, no, Matthew just seems to rip them right out and point them right to Jesus. And, and in other words, he's interpreting the Bible correctly. He's seeing the Son of God. He's seeing Jesus' work in it. And so I wanted to say that, Eric, because we're looking at a passage today which is so powerful as it points forward to the work of Jesus Christ. But we want to be careful that we're actually seeing the Son of God in this passage. If we don't, we're twisting the script. We're, we're missing the point. Mm -hmm. uh, and so as we read this together, brother, let's make sure that we're seeing what Matthew, the tax collector, the biblical scholar saw, that you, the firefighter, and me, the pilot, are going to see the same thing. We're going to reconcile the books here. Uh, yeah. Amen. <laughs> so, all right, let's read. So we're going to look at, at a passage of Scripture, and we're going to do at least two podcasts, Eric, because the first one is in Numbers chapter 16, there's a story. And we're going to look at this story together. And then in Numbers chapter 17, there's another story, but it's completely related to this story. The two go hand in hand. So we're going to look today at number 16. Let's start with verse 41. Brother, you want to read just as far as you want to go, and we'll, we'll look at it together. <laughs> oh, man, I'll be reading the whole thing over and over and over. But let me start at verse 41 and see how we do. So uh, the next day, the whole Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. You have killed the Lord's people, they said. But when the assembly gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron and turned toward the tent of meeting, suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. Uh, this kind of grumbling towards Moses and Aaron is something they were very familiar with, wasn't it, brother? Constantly yeah. grumbling against them about their freedom from Egypt. Uh, constantly grumbling about, uh, you know, the, the miserable life that they were suffering now and forgot about the miserable life that they had suffered in the past. So easy to grumble, to complain, to murmur, to whine about our circumstances. They're talking here about Korah, a member who had risen up against Aaron and Moses and said, hey, we all have authority here. And, um, and, and God had put them to death, opened up the earth and swallowed them up. And now, having just witnessed that, the people are grumbling and complaining and saying, you caused the death of the people of the Lord. And so they're, they're not understanding things properly. And, and when that happens, we, when we don't understand things properly, we grumble and complain too. Um, and so what's happening here? It, they're looking at the tabernacle. They're seeing the presence of God come in a very real way, aren't they? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They, it says here that they turned towards the, the tent of meeting and suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory uh, of the Lord appeared. This is uh, just a tremendous passage as, as we begin to look, this, look at this and open it up. Uh, as, as, you, as you said in the beginning of the podcast, fulfilling, uh, you know, this completely fulfilled as we'll see as we move forward uh, in Christ. Uh, and, and so I love how, uh, how the Lord appeared here and how the Lord always appears here in the Old Testament, brother. 
Yeah, he came. Um, and he said in verse 45, get away from among this congregation so that I may consume them immediately. Yeah. Uh, you sense indignation and righteous anger that he was going to judge these people uh, for their uh, complaining against what he had done. And, um, and it says in verse 45, Moses and Aaron fell on their faces uh, in silence before the Lord. And now, so you've, you've, got, you've got three people here. You've got God and Moses and Aaron. And God is going to destroy the whole community of Israel. Uh, he is full of wrath. His anger is about to burst forth righteously so, uh, properly so. God, of course, is the righteous judge who always does what is right. And he has it in his heart to consume the entire congregation of Israel. He says, get away from them so that I can destroy them. Hmm. But and, uh, Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I love this because you're right. I mean, it is. It's, God is coming in fierce anger uh, and the fire of his wrath. He is, he's ready. He's ready to put an end to the whole community at once. And, and I just love how uh, Moses and Aaron, how they, they fall face down before the Lord. Uh, this is just um, amazing to consider um, what's going on here. And, and like you said, the rebellion of, uh, of uh, oh, I, Korah. Korah, thank you. <laughs> the, the rebellion of Korah was already judged. And then you would think that uh, the assembly would have seen that and recognized that and not come grumbling the next day. But here they are grumbling before the tent of meeting. Uh, you know, Moses and Aaron here and God coming with his fierce anger. And, and it's just such a wonderful uh, picture already that we're seeing. It is, and it's going to get better. Uh, <laughs> because in, in these, this um, meeting here, if you will, of three people, God and Moses and Aaron, they're going to send one of this group to go do something about the wrath of God. Hmm. And so we, we read that, don't we, in verse 46. You want to read that? Yeah, we do. And, and like you said, this story is about to get very exciting. Um, and, uh, and so let me, let me go ahead and, and, and start off on that or continue in verse 46. Then Moses said to Aaron, take your censer and put incense in it, along with burning coals from the altar, and hurry to the assembly to make atonement for them. Wrath has come out from the Lord. The plague has started. Mike, this is just, we could stop and hang out here for quite a while, can't we, with this passage alone in verse 46? We could. <laughs> if, if you look at what's going on um, here, Aaron is being sent to make atonement. Um, and and what, what does he have to do here, brother? He takes something from the altar. Mm. Why, why are we connecting sacrifice with atonement? Well, there has to be a sacrifice, brother. There has to be, uh, you know, in order to thwart God's fury. This was to, to, to stop God's fury from destroying, destroying the whole assembly. There has to be something from the altar taken. There has to be something laid upon the altar. In this case, it was taken from the altar and hurried to the assembly to make atonement for them. Uh, you know, the wrath had already come out from the Lord and the plague had started. And yet, coals uh, from the altar and incense, and he was to hurry. Uh, Aaron was to hurry into the midst of the assembly to make atonement for them. What a wonderful picture we're seeing here. 
it's an amazing picture that the one sent from the three <laughs> went right into the crowd with that from the altar. And it says that he made atonement. Um, Aaron, verse 47, Aaron took the burning censer as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly. So there he is, the one sent from the three, right in the midst of where the sin is, right in the midst of where the wrath has broken out. It, you know, it, it points us forward, Eric, to the one being sent from the three, to Jesus coming to earth and doing it in a hurry. In a sense, Jesus would not be thwarted. He, in a sense, if you want to use a metaphor, he ran to the cross. <laughs> and he, he said, he said his face like flint, meaning he would not be deterred. He went to that cross in one big hurry. It's as if his, his life, which of course mattered, his life of perfect obedience and, mm. and loving and healing the sick and doing miracles, all that mattered. But his face was set to the cross. Mm. And Eric, he went there for, out of love for you and me. And he went there to stop the plague of God's wrath. Mm. He went there in, in a mission of mercy for his brothers, you and I, anyone listening. Because if you think about it, Eric, we're born in this condition of the plague having broken out. We're born as a child of wrath, it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. We're born as children of wrath, under God's wrath, under the penalty of our sins. You know, think about the sins we've committed for a minute. That brings wrath. That brings the hatred of God because he's righteous and holy. And so we're born under this, this plague of God's wrath. And what happened, brother? Oh, man, where are we at? I'm <laughs> this is awesome. I love what, what you said, brother, and I love how he was to hurry. I love how you used the metaphor of running uh, to the midst so much for social distancing, right in the midst of the plague. He ran right into the middle of the crowd uh, where the plague had started. You know, it says that twice. The plague had already started. The plague had already started. Uh, but he offered the incense and made atonement for them. Um, you know, and in verse 48, it says he stood between the living and the dead <laughs> and the plague stopped. We can see Jesus Christ. Uh, he ran to the cross, as you said, brother, and he hung right there. He hung on the cross. He was, it was a sweet aroma to God when he was burning in a sense under the fire of God's wrath. You know, he suffered under the hands of men. And then he suffered under the hand of Almighty God when he was on the cross for us, hanging between the living and the dead for us, running to the midst of the assembly for us, where the plague had already started. Sin had already corrupted the entire world. The plague was fierce, and many were dying, trapped in death and sin. And, you know, it's just incredible to see this story, how it is pointing uh, so clearly to the cross. How can we miss it? We don't want to miss it because this is the point of the entire Bible. Uh, and, and this is why stories are, are given over and over and over that we might look with our eyes of faith and that we might believe in the one who came, the, the middle one, the son, 
who, who ran to the cross for us. And, and I, just, I just love to see this because why? Because as a believer, I still need my heart to be affected. I still need to remember that when I sin, my, you know, my debt has canceled. My sin has been removed. Why? Because the second one became sin for me and stopped the plague and reversed all that had happened at the fall. And, and so we hope that somebody listening uh, is looking to the cross with us and experiencing this joy in their heart, uh, receiving, uh, you know, this love that, uh, that God has for you at the cross where he, you know, put his son to death and pardoned you. <laughs> How incredible is that to just consider that one small thing? It's not a small thing, but just this one thing that he condemned Christ, but pardoned you? Oh, Mike, no wonder our hearts are set ablaze this morning. Oh, brother, I'm not talking anymore. You, you just <laughs> going right like you're doing right there. <laughs> but I got to say something too. Look at the words, the plague was brought to an end. Yes. Just, just listen to those words. An atonement was made and, a pl- and the plague was brought to an end. Hmm. An atonement. Hmm. Atonement. That is to make amends for sin. It's to make God and us at one. At one, um, he took the punishment that we deserved. If you're listening today and you're feeling as though the wrath of God would be upon you for your sins, if you're feeling that you are under the plague, well, understand that Jesus went to the cross for you, and he suffered. He bled. He he, he shed his own blood. I mean. He died your death, and what did that do? It atoned for your sins. It stopped the plague of God's wrath. You should never expect punishment for yourself. You should never expect the wrath of God to come to you. You're free from it. The plague has been stopped. The atonement has been made. Jesus has died. You are free. You are free indeed. <laughs> what the Son of God has done for you. Um, Eric, I love how it says the plague was brought to an end because there's no more wrath to come. The fire has burned out. Um, it says those who died, verse 49, in the plague were 14,700 besides those who died because of Korah. Well, there was one who died on the cross and stop the plague. Um, and what does verse 50 say there as we bring this to a close? Oh, brother, this is so exciting. And, and I love uh, what you continued on there at the cross, brother. Verse 50 says, Then Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance to the tent of meeting, for the plague had stopped. And this is just so like Jesus, isn't it? Where he ran into the ran to the cross, paid the price, poured out his blood, breathed out his last breath, stopped the plague, saying, it is finished. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It is finished. Gave up his spirit, was put in a tomb, rose from the grave on the third day, and returned to his father, where he sits at the father's right hand, interceding for us, brother, still still showing the father his wounds, where the work was finished. Uh, just Moses returning, or uh, Aaron returning here to Moses at the entrance, at the tent of meeting, back together where they started. 
The plague was stopped. It's over. It's finished. There's no more judgment. I was just talking to a family member recently who said, you know, we, we, we have to look, uh, you know, beyond this life to the judgment. To the judgment? No. There is no judgment for you if you're in Christ Jesus. The, the plague has been stopped. The wrath has been stopped. And Jesus has paid the price for you. There's no more judgment left for you, just as you well said, brother. And that's enough to rejoice in. The, the judgment is the handing out of rewards. Amen. <laughs> um, <laughs> the judgment has been turned into a presenting of trophies. Amen. Uh, and, and this is the judge has become our father. Mm. Um, and, and the son of God has become our atonement maker the one who stopped the wrath of God. I love how you say that he returned back to where he was because that completes the picture, doesn't it? It shows that the one who was sent into the midst of the plague, the one who was sent to the central tree of the cross to hang between the living God and the dead people, the one who secured our redemption, completed our atonement, stopped the plague, said it was finished, returned to, back to the Father from where he came. And now the Trinity is completely joined again where the Son had completed the work of our salvation and stopped the wrath of God on our behalf. Brothers, we close. I want to just illustrate this where a man, and you'll get this as a firefighter, You've probably heard it before, but a fire is racing towards this man in an open field, and he's just, he's not able to outrun the flames. And, and so what does he do? He takes out a match and he burns a patch of grass around where he's standing so that when the flames come, they pass by where he's standing. Why? Because the ground has already been burned over. There's nothing flammable left. And in the same way, the atoning death of Jesus Christ deals with the wrath of God against sin. And as long as we stand where the fire has already burned, we are not consumed. Um, and, and Eric, this teaches us a couple of things. First of all, there's safety at the foot of the cross. Our sins do not condemn us there because the fire already burned Jesus. So there's safety there's nothing flammable left. You and I are not embers. We are not able to be combusted. Because why? The fire has already burned our substitute. The second thing it teaches us, we dare not leave the foot of the cross. We dare not step out of where the fire has already burned. Eric, we need to be like the Corinthians who took their stand on the cross. On the gospel, Paul says, I want to write you again about this good news on which you have taken your stand. Hmm. You have planted your feet in the cement of the cross, and we don't move from there. Why? Because just like we read in this story today, every story points to the gospel. Every story. As Matthew, the tax collector, discovered, oh, the prophets wrote about Jesus. Well, you know, Numbers chapter 16 writes about Jesus and the work he would do in securing our atonement, in stopping the plague of God's wrath. And then just as he ran into the, to the fire there to hang between the living and the dead, 
he returned back to the Father, having said, it is finished. I loved reading this with you today. My heart has been stirred up already, just the contemplation of what Jesus did. And so as you think about someone else right now, maybe feeling, you know, Eric, there are people who actually flagellate their own bodies. They beat themselves because they know their sin requires punishment. Um, there are people who walk on glass to try to get to Mecca because they, they kneel down and they crawl on glass. Oh, brother, Jesus' body was punished. Jesus bled out. Jesus accomplished all this for you. You don't have to. Amen. Uh, if, I wonder if you would just close us in prayer and, and pray for those who may be feeling that they need to be punished. They they are rightly deserving of the wrath of God. Brother, pray for them right now that they might be set free even today. Mm, will do, brother. Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful for this opportunity to look at this amazing passage and how it points forward to the one who gave up his life, poured out his blood, and breathed his last breath for us, who became sin for us to clothe us in his perfect righteousness. Yes, sin did have to be judged. Sin did have to be punished. Sin and flesh did have to be put to death, but not by anything we can do, not by our works, but like my brother said, by burning uh, and standing in the patch that was already burned. In other words, just like Mike said, it's standing at the foot of the cross where the fire has already gone over and the fire of God's wrath has already burned Christ up for us, consumed his life unto death, where flesh was judged completely and thoroughly. And, and so, Lord, help those to look to the cross and see that this was their flesh put to death for them on their behalf. They're pardoned and free. And if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. There's no need to walk on glass because Jesus had his hands nailed to a tree and his feet pierced on the cross. And so we don't need to pierce our feet with glass. We don't need to cut our bodies because Jesus had his back plowed as he went through trial after trial under the wrath of men and then was put under the wrath of God on the cross, put to death in the flesh. He took on flesh so that it could be judged because that's how much you and your son loved us. So Lord, please allow one heart and one, uh, one set of eyes uh, to see clearly the cross and all that happened there. It's so tremendous to see how you ran into the midst of the assembly and were burned up on the cross for us, where the plague of sin and death had stopped. Oh, death, where's your victory? And there, there is no sting of death for believers. So as we look to the cross and see that that was already covered and paid for, where Jesus was condemned and we were set free. And so, Lord Jesus, would you please allow at least one heart to be consumed, cut, pierced, and then healed thoroughly and completely so that they can totally enjoy the joy of the Spirit and all the joy that the cross has purchased for them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
This has been a podcast of Setting Captives Free. For more information or to enroll in free interactive courses on finding freedom, please go to settingcaptivesfree.com. Tune in next time for more truth that sets captives free.